0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Dean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Dean visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. You'll probably look at the screen... And uh, the thought for this morning is, have yourself a merry Christmas. That's not M-A-R-R-Y, but M-A-R-Y. Lots of people get mixed up because round about this time of year, you will hear in the shopping malls, and you'll hear in the various shops that you go in, you'll hear a song that has these words, have yourself a merry little Christmas, May all your dreams come true. But that's not what I want to talk about this morning. I want us to think on, have yourself a Merry Christmas. And I want to start by talking about mothers. Because I think mothers can teach us a lot if we listen to them. Now I know that as a child growing up, my mother said lots of things to me that went in there and out there. I didn't really listen to what she had to say. Probably some of them would have been important, but I didn't recognize that fact at the time. So I want us to look this morning at three lessons we can learn from the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, which are found in Luke 1:26 to 26-38. You can look at that later on. But Mary was the one person on earth closer to Jesus than anybody else. She knew Jesus in a way that nobody else ever has or ever will know. Not just as Saviour, but as her Son. Not just as Almighty God, but as the helpless baby she held in her arms. Picture that. When she gave birth to the Lord, she showed a wisdom, a maturity, and a love that many people here, including me, would never ever be able to achieve or reach or attain. So the thing I need to tell you this morning, this morning, church, is this. No matter who you are, the Lord can use you. And I want to take you back to, do you remember the day when the last time you filled out a job application? You had to give them all your vital statistics. You had to summarize your, your background, your education, your experience. But today, many of the job applications that people go for, there's one important question that people get asked today, and it's this. What is it that makes you uniquely qualified for this position? How do you answer that? I don't know about you, but I would find it difficult without appearing to be snobbish, big-headed, I don't know how I would answer that, but employers assume your availability. But what they really want to discover is your liability. Things that make you unsuited for the job. Your usability, the skills and talents will help you to do the job. But overall, they're interested in what makes you tick. What makes you not be able to do the job that they want to give you. But I want to tell you, church, God doesn't operate this way. Mary teaches us that God is not as interested in your abilities as he is in your availability. So no matter who you are, church, God can use you. Mary, just an ordinary girl, but with some serious liabilities. She was young. Mary was pledged to be married. Now, you and I this morning might think this girl, she's too young for God to use. But God didn't think like that. God didn't think like that at all. The other thing about Mary, she was poor. We read in Luke 2 22, 24 that Mary and Joseph took baby Jesus to the temple to be circumcised. The requirement was to bring one of two offerings either a lamb, for a burnt offering, and a dove or a pigeon, for a sin offering. If a lamb was too expensive, the parents could bring the two, a second dove or a pigeon. Mary and Joseph brought the two doves. Why? Because they couldn't afford a lamb. Now you and I might have thought this morning, this family, who were too poor to provide for Jesus, They couldn't even afford a lamb. How were they going to provide for Jesus? But God didn't think like that. Mary was young, yes. She was poor, yes. She was also from Nazareth. Apparently, Mary was a young girl from the wrong side of the tracks. Why? Because Nazareth was a town with a bad reputation. Remember what Nathaniel said? When he learned Jesus was from Nazareth, John 1 verse 46 says this, And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now people might be looking at you and I and thinking, Can anything good come out of Gateshead?" In the same way, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You and I might think, No way. No way can anything good come out of Nazareth. There's no telling what Mary grew up saying and hearing, and doing, in a bad town like Nazareth. God didn't take this into consideration when he chose Mary to be mother to his son. Yes, Mary was young, she was poor, and she was from Nazareth. All characteristics that make her seem unusable by God. But God chose Mary. Mary for one of the most important jobs he ever asked anyone to do. Through God's choice of Mary, he teaches us, no matter who you are, listen carefully, no matter who you are, the Lord can use you, me, you, me, you, me. The God that we worship can use you. You might think this morning sat there, I'm too young, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough talent for God to use me. You might think your background or past mistakes might make it impossible for God to use you. Listen, don't limit God. Don't limit God. We we fall into that trap, don't we, where we will give God this and that, but we ain't going to give Him everything. Don't limit God because He can use you. All we have to do is just trust Him. So church, that's an important message this morning. He can use you if you just trust Him. Out of all the queens and the princesses and the daughters of the wealthy and influential, God chose a poor teenager from a town with a bad reputation to be the mother of Jesus. Mary had two vital characteristics that God looks for in you and me. Humility and faith. She knew she wasn't worthy of the honor. But God offered her that. Yet she still believed God could use her. How many of us are like that this morning? Do you believe that God can use you in the same way He used Mary? I want you to hold on to that thought this morning because God can use you. All she had to do was trust Him. Do you believe that God can use you this morning? Or do you think you're too small? You're too young? If if you think you're too small to be effective, Betty Reese says this, you've never been in bed with a mosquito. You've never been in bed with a mosquito. Do you think you're useless to God? Think again. Because God is searching for humble people to take part in his amazing plan. And God has amazing plans for each and every one of us. I don't know what they are for you, I don't know what they are for me, but I know that He has amazing plans in store for you and I this morning. The question is, will you be one of those people? Mary teaches us that no matter who you are, God can use you. I believe she also teaches us another important lesson. No matter what problems you face in life, the Lord is with you. Believe that this morning. No matter what problems you face, the Lord is with you. There are some things in life that you just don't want to go through alone. Take Christmas, for instance. I don't know of anybody who likes to spend Christmas all by themselves. I'm sure there are some people out there who do. But most of us want to be able to share the celebration with people who are near and dear to us. But we don't like to go through trouble alone. If you get sick with nobody to sit up with you or comfort you, you'll probably be more miserable when you lose your job or your wife or your child. You need somebody with you to help you make it through. I want to tell you, church, the Lord will help you get through those circumstances. Because He's the one person that you can rely on. He's the one person that you can trust. Mary teaches us that. That no matter what problems you face in life, the Lord is with you. Look what the angel said in verse 30. Do not be afraid. I wouldn't blame Mary if at the time she was afraid. Though here she put her trust in God. And there are times in our lives when we will feel very much afraid. Yet God says, trust, trust, trust in me. Imagine the fear that she went through at the time when she was pregnant when she was carrying baby Jesus. She faced possible divorce by Joseph. Because Joseph at first assumes that Mary's been unfaithful to him. What else would he have assumed? I would have been exactly the same in his shoes. But that was Joseph at the time. He decided to divorce her. Which according to their law, was necessary to end the engagement. Before, Joseph was told in a dream... That Mary's baby, in fact, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But right now, Mary doesn't know how all of that will pan out. She doesn't know that. But she does know that God will be with her. Whatever Joseph does, God will be with her. She faced possible rejection by her family. Did Mary's family believe her story? that the baby grown inside of her was the Son of God, would you believe it? If someone came and told you exactly the same story? We never told anything in Scripture about Mary's parents. Their reaction to her pregnancy. But it's very possible that they didn't believe her story. But Mary believes, Mary believes that God is with her. No matter how her parents may have reacted at the time. Certain, for a fact that she would have faced rejection by the community that she lived in. Imagine the gossip that must have went round Nazareth at the time. The people of Nazareth would have, would have accused her of adultery. A sin that wasn't looked on as lightly as it is today. It's likely that Mary was shunned by those who had been her friends that she grew up with. And yet Mary believes God is with her. That made all the difference. And I want to tell you people, that's what makes a difference in your life and in mine. Because we know that God is with us in all the circumstances that we struggle with in life. She could have faced possible death by stoning. Because according to the law, that was the penalty for adultery. But New Testament times, stoning was rare. But it was still a possibility. The message from the angel totally changed Mary's life. She was getting ready to be married. She was going to live a normal life. But now her life could be anything but normal. How could she be calm and courageous? How would she face all of the problems that pregnancy would bring? All of the problems that pregnancies might cause? She would cling to the words the angel spoke to her. The Lord is with you. And I want to tell you people, the Lord is with you this morning. In all your circumstances, good, bad, indifferent, or whatever, the Lord is with you. Get a grasp of that. Hold on to that, because I want you to walk out of here this morning and not be discouraged, but be encouraged, because that's what I got from reading the story of Mary. The Lord would help her. He would give her the strength and the courage to face anything that this world throws in her way. Are you like that this morning? Or do you worry? Do you fret? Do you get stressed when things just happen to you? How do you deal with it? Because the same Lord that made the promise to Mary makes the same promise to you and me this morning. Whoever you are. Psalm 118 verse 6 says this, The Lord is on my side. Your side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? absolutely nothing. Why? Because the Lord is on your side. Why would you fear anything? For he himself has said this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Get a hold of that this morning. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So Mary's story, I think, teaches us that no matter what problems you face, the Lord is with you. Mary fears the possibility of rejection from Joseph her family, her community, and even the possibility of being stoned. But she knew that the Lord would not abandon her. Listen, the Lord won't abandon you and me this morning if we put our trust in Him. One of the titles given to Jesus was Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us this morning. God is with you this morning. In your circumstances, one of the greatest themes of the Old Testament is the concept of God living with His people. Listen, Jesus is our Emmanuel. Jesus is your Emmanuel. Ingrid Trubich wrote this, if we can live one day with Jesus, we can live every day with Him. If we can live one day with Jesus, we can live every day with Him and each one as it comes. Each one as it comes. So, God is with us. See, human life is meant to be dramatic. And for some of us, life has been very traumatic and dramatic all at the same time. And yet God says, I'm with you. God says, I'm with you. Our religion, it's not organized around keeping God at a distance. It's keeping Him close when we need him in our lives. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you all the time, 24-7. And I'm closer than a brother. I'm closer than a brother. So how close are you this morning to God? Do you give him everything or just some of it? See, if I really want God to be with me, then my life will be extremely different from ordinary human life. People will see the difference in you and in me. We're meant to be God inhabited. Jesus came to make God's presence a conscious, living reality in your life and in mine this morning. So whatever problems you're facing right now, whatever worries and fears are making that heartbeat of yours beat 50 to the dozen or it's causing you harassment in your heart, don't let anything discourage you from staying close to God. No matter what your problems are, listen, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. You've got to bring those problems to Him and trust Him to work them out. And He will. Just as surely as He worked them out for Mary. Two lessons from Jesus' mother Mary. No matter who you are, God can use you. No matter what problems you face, God is with you. And there's a third one to look at that I want you to consider this morning. No matter what he promises, the Lord can do it. That's a, one, that's a tough one, isn't it? No matter what he promises, the Lord can do it. A little boy asked his mother, Ma'am, where did I come from? And she said, well, you come as a baby. She gave him a tall tale about a beautiful white feathered bird brought you into this world. So the boy ran into the next room and he asked his grandma, Grandma, where did I come from? She said the same story as what the mom had said. So he ran outside to his friends and he said this, You know what? There hasn't been a normal birth in our family for three generations. Now the Bible records several instances where there was not a normal birth. God sent a son to Abraham and Sarah long after they thought a baby was not possible. Judges 13, an angel of the Lord, told Manoah and his barren wife that they would have a special son, that they would name Samson. Samuel, the first prophet, final judge, and anointed of kings, was the answer to the persevering prayers of his godly mother, Hannah. John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, was old when she gave birth to the prophet, So when we talk about the virgin birth, we mean that Jesus was conceived in the womb of his mother Mary by a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit and without a human father. Now, that doesn't sound any more normal or possible back then than it does today. But look at Mary's reaction. Even though the angel's news was unbelievable, she believed it. You know, sometimes we fall into that trap, don't we, where we don't take on board what God actually says and believe it and just trust in Him to get you through it. Mary didn't understand it, but she also didn't doubt it. There are lots of things in life that I do not understand. But God says, trust in me. Don't doubt me, trust in me. She believed that no matter what He promised, the Lord could do it. I need to tell you, Again and again and again, the Lord can do it. John 11, verse 26, says this, "And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die." Do you believe that this morning? We should do. We ought to. One John 5:14 says this, "Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, he hears us. There's a good word in there, confidence, confidence. We need to be confident in the Word of God this morning to get us through life as we approach Christmas, as we approach all the stress and the worries that that brings, and the stress and the worry that life just brings. We need to be confident that God will get us through. John 10 verse 10 says this, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Do you believe that this morning? Or do you ever read promises like these and say, yeah, yeah, right, yep. That's going to happen. It's going to happen to me. No, not for me. Not now. not after all I've been through. There are people in churches in life who think exactly like that. Not for me. Won't happen to me. I want to tell you, it will happen to all those who put their faith and trust in Him. Why? Because I didn't make those promises. God made them. That's the difference. So it doesn't matter how impossible they seem, there's nothing, 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 nothing impossible with God. What you have to do is do what Mary did. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Believe. Say, let it be me according to your word, O Lord. Let it be me. Because little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Little faith will bring your soul to heaven, But great faith will bring heaven to your soul. So no matter who you are, the Lord can use you. No matter what problems you face, the Lord is with you. No matter what He's promised, the Lord can do it. So the question is, will you take those truths to heart this Christmas? Will you take them with you as you walk outside of these doors into your home, into your workplace, into your life, whatever that is, and have a Merry Christmas? in your life this week, next month, for the next few months. Where will you stand? I'm going to ask the band if they'll come up. And whilst they're preparing, I need to tell you what approaching Advent. In Advent, it's a time of waiting and preparation. It's a time of looking forward to a time and a place. But really, it's looking forward to Christmas. It's a time when we celebrate the first coming of Christ. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. Four weeks ago, I had to pay a visit to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. And whilst I was there, they said, yep, there's the waiting room. Go and wait there, along with other people. Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever been in a hospital waiting room, or if you've been in a doctor's waiting room. As soon as you went to that room, you start to feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. I'm just like that. I'm just like you. I'm sitting there in the hospital waiting to be seen. I feel uncomfortable. Why? Because there's something about not knowing how long you'll be there for that gets you frustrated, that gets you irritated. And there's the uncertainty of what the doctor or whoever it is that will see that comes to see you, will say when you finally get in. So in your head, you rehearse what you'll say when you actually come to see the doctor or the nurse or whoever's coming to see you. You start to get fidgety and you keep looking round, and you keep looking at your watch, wondering oh, how much longer is this going to be as you're sitting there waiting in anticipation. You're sitting there with a room full of people who you don't know, who are just as stressed out as you are, and they're looking around and they're picking their fingers are playing with the hands and they're moving around and they can't get comfortable. A bit like me when I was waiting there. And then you start to think about all the other worries that you've got and preoccupied with things that might be happening at work. All these things are just annoying you as you're sitting there waiting. And you start to think, I need something to pass the time away. Then you get your eye on the table in front of you, you pick up the magazines that's always in doctor's waiting rooms or in the hospital and you start to read the magazine to take your mind off what you're really there for to find out what's the problem, doctor? Will you be able to sort it? How much longer will I be waiting there? But you're there and you start to read that magazine and you read it with joy because it takes you away from the distractions that are actually about to face you in life. And You're redeeming the time as you're sitting there. Time's passing by. So you're looking through the gossip column and then you look at the clock and you see the ticking of the clock passing by. You start to feel a bit restless and you start to feel a bit all knotted and tied up inside because you still haven't been seen. And then when the final call comes, you never feel prepared. It always feels like an unexpected and rude interruption. Though it's what you've been waiting for all along. Listen, I want to wait like Mary. Trusting that God's at work in the silence and in the dark times. I want to know that he who was promised is faithful and he'll do it. Because I think it takes a great deal of effort to wait with faith. To wait without giving up. Going off at the deep end. And because we see no return for our waiting, to wait in the face of seemingly impossible little evidence that the waiting will bear fruit to wait without trying to make something happen on your own, and to wait with the confidence that God will make it all worthwhile. Church, I want to tell you, God will make it all worthwhile. So as the band come and sing, let's stand up and sing joyfully and prayerfully as we think on having a Merry Christmas this year. Bless you, church. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.